Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance today as you consider how Jesus gives sight for formerly blind people just like you and me. If I asked you, how many commandments are there? What would you say? Probably many of you would quickly say ten. And you'd be right. Exodus chapter 20, Moses gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, the moral law of God for time and eternity. If you also answered that question with the number two, I would say, yeah, I think you're also right. Because sometimes when Jesus mentioned the commandments, he said, follow them, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor, anyone else, as yourself. There's a group of people, though, long ago, as well as now, who would answer that question by saying at least 613. And they think that it's God's Word and God's law that would give them the reason for saying that. I'm talking about the Pharisees, both the Pharisees of Jesus' day and even some Orthodox Jews of the present day. They took the Ten Commandments, and those are the first ten commandments of their 613, and then added many other things on top of that. Most of those commandments have to do with tiny, ticky-tack little details about what to do or what to refrain from doing on the Sabbath day. God gave the Sabbath day, the seventh day, to the people of Old Testament Israel as a day of rest. And He intended for them to rest from their usual work during the week so that they could honor Him and thank Him for what He has done for them and for who He is in their lives. Unfortunately, people took that idea and turned it into a whole bunch of rules, say 613 of them. Rules about how to wash before dinner, how to wash after dinner, how to wash your clothes, how to wash yourself. Rules about no cooking, no driving, not even any pushing elevator buttons on the Sabbath day. My son Ethan and I, when we were on a trip to Israel recently, and maybe some of you who also were on that trip, ran into that rule with something called the Sabbath elevator. Yes, there is a Sabbath elevator in Israel and maybe other places too where folks think think that the 613 laws are still really important to be keeping on that one day. From sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday, the Sabbath day, there was a Sabbath elevator that, without pushing any buttons, you would get in it and it would go all the way up to the top floor in our hotel that was the seventh floor and then down and stop at the sixth and down and stop at the fifth and down and stop at the fourth and down every level until it got to the bottom floor. And then without touching a button, it would go all the way up to the top and that's what it did for 24 hours. So Ethan and I got in this elevator 
Right after the guy told us about the Sabbath elevator and we knew about it but didn't think about applying that to our lives at the time. So we get in the elevator, we start pushing buttons and nothing's happening and the door isn't closing and we're wondering what in the world is going on. And finally, after a few minutes of unsettled chaos, actually probably just a few seconds, the elevator doors closed because we were on the bottom floor of the place just finishing dinner and went all the way up to the top and then stopped at the sixth and stopped at the fifth and stopped at the fourth where we could get off and we knew then what had just happened. So, in Jesus' day, there weren't any elevators. There wasn't any rule about no driving or no pushing buttons on the elevator on the Sabbath day, but there were lots of other rules that were strictly enforced by people who thought that they were a big deal. People who thought that they were honoring God by doing such things and refraining from such things, even arguing and shouting with God himself about the legitimacy of those rules. Let's break into the scriptures today and see how Jesus dealt with those folks as well as how he dealt with the blind. And we will see that Jesus gives sight to the blind, not just the physical sight, but more importantly, the spiritual heart to believe the truth about what God actually thinks regarding sin, laws, and salvation. We begin in verse 1. As Jesus is going along with his disciples, he sees a man blind from birth. Never once had this man been able to open his eyes and see like I can see you right now and like you can see me. And the disciples asked, who sinned? Was it him or his parents that he was born blind like this? Jesus said, neither. This man had this come up in his life from the start so that the work of God could be displayed in his life. And then Jesus went on to make some mud after spitting on the ground to smear it on the man's eyes. You wouldn't expect that, would you? But Jesus gave this guy the personal touch in this unique way. And then he told him simply, go wash in the pool of Siloam which is a big water reservoir just outside of the city of Jerusalem. He didn't tell him what would happen. He didn't make any promises. He just said, go and wash over there. So the man did. And as he did, he was able to see physically. Just think how joyful that was for him and for Jesus. He could see for the first time you would think that would be celebration, a reason for it all around. But instead, the man was brought to the Pharisees, the leaders, the religious supposed experts, the keepers and enforcers of the rules. He brought this guy to them. And it wasn't celebration time, it was interrogation time. The Pharisees asked, how have you received your sight? He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see, the scriptures say. Some of the Pharisees said, and you can picture arms crossed and snarls on their face, noses in the air maybe even, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. 
He pushed elevator buttons on purpose. He washed his hands before eating dinner. Not enough times. And he put mud on this guy's eyes doing work when clearly God doesn't want anyone to be doing work. That's what they concluded about Jesus healing this blind man. At least some of them. But others of them were more balanced and on target. They said, but how can a sinner perform such signs? If Jesus is someone who is a reckless sinner against God's laws, how could someone who is so ungodly do this? Which, to be honest, you could hear them talking out loud to each other. is actually a pretty cool thing. Very helpful, wonderful, life-changing on the good side for him and those he knows. So they were divided about Jesus. They interrogated the man a little further, the guy who used to be blind, and said, what are you saying about him? The man said, he is a prophet. And you'll notice that our scripture verses take a pause at verse 17 and pick up again at verse 34, where there's an extended conversation between the Pharisees going to find the man's parents, and they bailed. They didn't want to defend Jesus or have anything to do with the situation. And they came back to the man who had been blind, and he just defended Jesus even further. He was not going to back down. He stood up for Jesus, even though they were ganging up on him in the interrogation. The end result of all of this is described in verse 34. The Pharisees replied, and maybe a better word for your mind and ears would be shouted, screamed. You were steeped in sin at birth. They shouted and screamed at the man who had been blind but now could see. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. They cast him out from his family, from his friends, from his town, from his people. Anyone connected with him now they would gang up on them if they tried to befriend him. You might be thinking, for crying out loud, those Pharisees are crazy. And you'd be right. But I have some news for you that if you're willing to listen and drink it in, it will help you spiritually. There is a little Pharisee alive and well, just as crazy inside each one of you. There is a little Pharisee inside you that has your own checklist of what is right and what is wrong. And because you know the Bible, hopefully most, if not all of it, lines up with God's Word, but yet casts judgment quickly. There's a little Pharisee in you that is an expert in the supposed sins of someone else while conveniently ignoring your own. There is a little Pharisee inside each one of you that thinks things like, I can get closer to God if I follow this checklist of rules. And who knows what's on your list? But maybe a big one would be, if I work hard and make money and have more money than most people, or at least as much as most people here in Katy, then I'm closer to God. 
I'm living a life that pleases God. I'm living the good life. But God doesn't say that's how you get close to Him. He doesn't say working hard and making money is a way to draw near to Him. He doesn't say that judging other people and puffing up because of your supposed assessment of them and you is a way to draw close to Him. God never said any of that. The way to draw close to God actually is the opposite. The way to draw close to God is to start by saying, I have a little Pharisee that harshly judges others while conveniently not judging self. And that little Pharisee needs to be dealt with. That little Pharisee needs to be dealt with by God. You see, then when we get that far, we're able to say, Lord, I am a sinful person. I am a wretched, off-the-mark, crazy little Pharisee. And I don't like it that way. Okay, so my list doesn't include pushing elevator buttons or not, or brushing your teeth a certain way or not, but it does include too many other things. And I have cast judgment on people you care about too severely, too quickly. How does Jesus deal with the little blind Pharisee like us? Well, how did he deal with this formerly blind man when he was cast out? When he was a broken sinner and treated like that by everyone that he knew, really, besides Jesus? Precious scriptures coming up, starting at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And even though the church leaders wanted nothing to do with him, even though his friends and family really were kind of distancing themselves from him, even though he was lonely and the gap was growing wider, not smaller, Jesus didn't distance himself from this guy. He ran towards him. He found him. He went to find him when everyone else was saying, get out of here and don't come back anytime soon. When he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. What a great place for that man to be. It reminds me of the hymn, Take the world, but give me Jesus. That's really where he was, wasn't he? Everybody else divorced themselves from him, but Jesus drew near, And there the man was, just him and Jesus. He knew who he was. He could see heaven's doors wide open. He trusted he was forgiven. No matter what any other human being says, that doesn't matter. The little Pharisee in him was being destroyed. And in its place was a precious child of God. Someone who loved Jesus and would live a life of love towards others, even though they didn't deserve it, instead of judgment. 
we can be there too. That's what Jesus is all about. Sight for the blind. People who otherwise would make their own checklist of rules, trample other people, and think they're pleasing God by doing it. No. Destroy that little Pharisee inside of you and enjoy plenty of time. Just you and Jesus. You and His truth. You and His love. You and His grace. You and His promises. They're for you. Jesus comes to find you just as you are to help you with that little Pharisee inside that needs to be destroyed that you're unable to destroy. Then, after Jesus has gotten plenty of time with you, now He changes your heart so that you can have a different outlook on other people. Instead of judging them because they didn't follow your checklist quite right, and never will, quite frankly, now you're looking for chances to show them love. Because you see them in a different way. You, you know what it's like to live with a little Pharisee running the show, how not fun that is. You know what forgiveness in Jesus can do for you. And now you look at other people who are battling their own little Pharisee inside, and you are drawn to go help them. To go help them have sight because otherwise they're blind. To go help them see who Jesus is and what He can do for them that is like none other. Not only that, you're also able to think about your own sinful nature going forward. That little Pharisee still pops up. We're never going to get rid of him entirely until the day we go to heaven. But, with Christ giving us sight, we're able to say, I need Him to help me fight that little Pharisee off. I need Jesus to give me advice. I can't trust my own advice. I need Jesus to give me counsel and strength. I can't trust my own counsel or rely on my own strength. I'll always fall into temptation then. That little Pharisee will run the show. But when you have sight in Christ, sight for the blind, you are able to surrender your heart to Him, to let Him drive. Just like this blind man was able to do now that he could see physically, but more importantly, now that he could see spiritually. To finish today, I'd like to go back to a couple of verses I skipped over at the start of the sermon verses for today. As Jesus was explaining to His disciples that the reason the man was blind was not because of some specific sin of his parents or his, but rather simply so that the work of God could be displayed in his life. Look how he puts this. This is really important for us to think about now that we have sight in Christ. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Judgment Day is ahead at some point. And nobody, not even Jesus, can do the work of God then on earth because the earth will be over. Night is coming. No one can work. But that's not now. Today it is day. Today we still have the opportunity to lean on God to crush that little Pharisee within us and to lean on God to help us with other people in our lives that need that same sight recovery situation.
God bless you as you work with all your heart while it is day, thinking about the night that is coming when no one can work, but enjoying who Jesus is for you right now, that he gives sight to those who otherwise were and would always be blind. People just like me, people just like you. Go live a life of love and tell that little Pharisee to take a hike. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.